Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. The Therapy is a Christian podcast is all things mental health and Christ. We specifically talk about how mental health and God are merged together to foster growth, healing, and making mental health a normal conversation. I'm your host, Roz and Renee, and welcome to the show. listening to the therapy as a christian podcast i am your host roger and welcome to another episode of the show this episode is going to be an interview and y'all listen i'm turned up okay me and my sis have been on the phone talking because i always like to do a little um conversation before i do interviews just to get a lot of more background on um the people i interview and i knew my sis had a story, but baby girl, <laughs> I'm not prepared, okay? But I know that y'all are going to be like literally blessed beyond words from this interview. So I'm going to introduce my sis, Kendra. Say hey, sis. Hey, y'all. So y'all, I, I'm so turned. Chandra and I have been talking for the last like 45 minutes, but I want to give a little brief background. So I have been wanting to really, really delve in with people of God that have very powerful testimonies. And Chandra is definitely one of those people. I um, have gotten surveys back from my listeners in the past that said they wanted to hear stories on addiction, like how to overcome addiction. And Chandra has such a phenomenal bomb testimony of overcoming alcoholism and y'all i'm just shook so i'm just gonna let her talk soon but let me give a little brief background so me and sis you know y'all say i call everybody sis but me and sis (laughs) me and sis met um at the find your voice academy retreat that was in D.C. back in November 2019 um, for Tatum, Tania, for Anchors Media. And me and Chandra got connected because all of the sisters, basically, that went to the retreat got connected. And she talked about her story of being addicted to alcohol. However, I literally didn't know the depths of how powerful this story was until talking to her. I knew she was powerful because of just the way she has grown spiritually over the last like six months of us knowing each other, Chandra. Yeah. Us now. And how she's grown, but like this is a whole powerhouse. I just need y'all to know. So go ahead and introduce yourself, sis. You could just say a couple things, I guess, and then we'll get into it. Okay, well, first of all, thank you so much, Roslyn, for having me on your show. Um, This is one of my favorite podcasts, so it's really an honor to be on here as a guest. Um, My name is Chandra Lachey. I am the host of The Real Chandra Lachey Show, which is a podcast that I started. Um, Also, am the founder of the group Journey to 1000 Miles, where Um, I just partner with people who are struggling with addiction to kind of help coach them through how to get to sobriety by giving them practical tips um, and, of course, biblical foundation. Um, Yeah, that's pretty much what I do. And I just I'm just grateful to be here, girl. Like I'm up in here. (laughs) Oh, you is this. okay? (laughs) Okay, so let's start with just like. A basic question. So I want you, before you kind of get into your testimony, to tell me in your definition, having had been through it, what would you define as addiction? Um, I would define addiction as anything that you have um, 
anything that has developed as a habit that is either harmful to you or harmful to others that you cannot stop doing. Like no matter how much you try, you cannot stop doing this activity. So, I mean, of course, for me, it was addiction to alcohol, but it could be something as little as overeating or watching pornography or smoking weed or whatever it is that you desire to stop, but you can't. Like, I I remember doing a little bit of research on what that word means. And I think it's Latin. It's a Latin word, which means slavery. So it's like, that's pretty much what it is when you, when I think about it and how it was for me, it's just something that you're in bondage of that you cannot stop no matter how hard you try, like you desire to stop, but you can't. Yeah. 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 Okay. So let's get into it. So tell me and everybody else a little bit of your story. When did you start drinking up until the time you kind of got to a place where you knew you were addicted to alcohol. So take us to the very beginning up until that point. Okay. So, um, I have always been exposed to alcohol because uh, my father, um, was and is an alcoholic. So it's something that I believe like growing up, I thought was normal behavior because I'd never seen anybody act outside of that. So, but my first um, consumption of alcohol, I was 16 years old. I was a junior in high school and I was at a senior party with my cousin. And I just remember feeling so uncomfortable at this party. I just did not want to be there. And so I spoke to my, my cousin and her friend at the time, and I was telling them how uncomfortable I was. I was ready to go. And they were having a good time. And they were like, well, you know, just drink some of this. You'll be fine. And so it was um, hypnotic. I don't know if y'all remember who that is. Um, I remember hypnotic. That was the drink when we was in college. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. What's that great stuff in your cup? It's so incredible. Okay, I'm sorry. I ain't going to get back on y'all. I'm just saying. That was the drink back in college, okay? <laughs> Tell me that. <laughs> so we were so they gave me some of that and so next thing I know I'm just bouncing off the walls I'm dancing on tables I'm jumping off of couches and like people are actually gravitating to me they're like oh look at that girl she's a party girl she turned up and so because I had issues with adapting to that environment and fitting in I kind of embraced that at that time because I was like, oh, wow, people like me. Like, I'm accepted in this form. So I started to take on the role of the party animal or the the party girl. So from that point on, all the way up into college, I was known as the party person. You know, I was kind of like the the hype man of the party. Mm-hmm. And so um, when I got to college, of course, it got worse because that's the type of environment usually college is so long story short um I end up dropping out of of school because uh I was too drunk or too hungover to make it to class like from a period of three years of being in college I never was able to make it to class on time or to do my assignments and in my mind I thought it was because I wasn't smart I even though I graduated valedictorian in my class and got accepted into a very prestigious school here in my state I still perceived it I didn't know that alcohol was the issue I just thought it was because I didn't manage my time well and I wasn't smart enough to be in that school anyway so yeah and so Throughout adulthood, after I dropped out of college, you know, I would just do it on a, uh, I would just drink on the weekend, you know, if we're going out to the club, if we're going partying and stuff, but it got progressively worse to where I'm like, okay, this is an issue when I started to go through a lot of the betrayal in my life. Like I went through like five, four or five different betrayals in between a period of three months. And so that's where it was like, okay, I'm not doing this for fun anymore. I'm actually doing this, using this as my coping mechanism for me to feel good about myself, for me to be alone from everybody. Wow. Wow. So when, so basically from 16 up until college and a little bit after college, 
you kind of started the pattern of using alcohol as your coping mechanism. Was there like experiences that you found where you actually would, you know, put down alcohol or, and then, you know, pick up something else? Or was it just like you found that this was the only thing you used to kind of cope? Um, there was one period of time where, um, I had stopped drinking for like three months and this is when I was living with one of my friends at the time. But for the most part, no, I didn't use anything else. It was just always alcohol, always drinking to, and at the time I didn't really think it was coping. I just thought it was something I did. I just thought it was something that people do because I know like, like I mentioned before, I had seen my dad do this my whole entire life, you know, as a, as a child from my earliest remembrance of him, you know, being in the house, he was always drinking. So I thought this was normal behavior. I didn't really, I didn't really think of it as a problem until like maybe the last, my last few years of drinking to where um, I was at the point where I was like, blacking out and having to call my friends and say hey what 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 happened last night what did I do you know I didn't know that it was abnormal behavior until it got to that point wow, wow. and let me also add here to y'all Chandra and I are the same age so we're both 29 so Chandra is not like 35 40 so you can overcome this and we go get into all of that because I didn't get excited as this We'll we'll talk about this because it doesn't it doesn't mean you have to be so old to kind of like move past something. Yeah. Especially for people in our age group, we kind of look at it as like a normal thing versus like you can really overcome something even young with yes. God. So yes. okay, walk me through kind of what were the traumatic experiences that happened. I know you kind of said a relationship. And when did it get really, really bad to the point to where you were like drinking to the point of blacking out? Like what year was that and kind of what happened? Okay, so the what had triggered the, I guess you can say the depression and the blackouts, it all started in um, 2015 of November. Um, I, at the time, was dating a guy. I had got laid off from work. I had lost my car. I had lost my apartment. So my boyfriend at the time was like, hey, you can come, you can come live with me. I'll take care of you. And I'm like, cool, great. So um, in between that time, I'm still kind of drinking, but it's not as severe. But I find out that he was cheating on me with my best friend. And me and this girl have been friends since like seventh grade. And so I find out that he was cheating on me with her. So that was heartbreaking because I, before we even got to be in a relationship, um, we were friends. So I'm like, oh, yeah, this is about to be my husband. We're about to have kids together. He moved me in. He's taking care of me. Like, this is great. And so when I found that out, I, I just I didn't care. I was like, I cannot deal with this. This is unacceptable behavior. I'm not going to be able to do this. So at the time. I break off my relationship with him and I cut off my friend that he's um, involved with. And um, at that time, I move in with another friend that was that I got really, really close to. And within that time span, she's like, you know, a, an event happened to where I started to go deeper into God again. I started to read my Bible. And this is when I was mentioned earlier, the three the three months that I was sober since I was 16 to college. This is the three months that I was sober. So I'm, I'm seeing myself kind of making my way out of it. So I start this event, this Bible study, I have her come. And for whatever reason, after the Bible study, she's like, listen, I don't know what's going on, but you got to go I, like no explanation, no anything. Like to this day, I do not know what I did. I don't know if it's, something I said, or I don't, I, I have no explanation as to why this woman just wanted me out of her house immediately. So I was kind of hurt about that because I think because it was such a spiritual connection we had, I was still hurt. I was super hurt. Like I had already been hurt by the two people that I love the most. Mind you, I wasn't talking to my parents at the time because they weren't really fond of 
the friend that kicked me out of her house. So they, I didn't have them to fall back on. So when she told me to leave, I was kind of like frantic. I was like, okay, well, let me just try to see what I can do. So um, I come across an older, uh, older lady that I had met in my church. Um, she actually had came to my um, Bible study, the event that I had put together. And because she had came to that event, she allowed me to live with her for a moment. And so I really looked up to her. She was super prophetic, like just a, a beautiful woman of God. She had to be like maybe 60, 70 years old. So seasoned, like I really loved her. I was like, anything she said was just God. God had to say that. And so um, she, we were getting close doing ministry and she gets this idea that we should just move to Memphis. So we sell everything in her house. And we pack our things or I already had a suitcase because, you know, I didn't have no place to live. So I already had my suitcase packed. But she packs up her stuff. We go into the car. We go to um, Memphis, Tennessee. Things didn't turn out the way she um, had told me. Um, I was under the impression that we would have things lined up, that she knew people down there, that we would be able to live. Sis, no, we didn't have no place to go. Like. When I tell you I was cold, it was rainy, and I'm in the back of somebody else's car. Like, if she got mad at me and wanted to kick me out her car, sis would have been on the street. Like, seriously. So, um, events happen. She's like, you know what? She kind of gets mad at me because I'm frustrated at the situation, telling her, well, if I would have knew it was going to be like this, I wouldn't even came down here. You gave me the impression that you had things set up and you didn't. So we got into it real bad. And she was basically like, I'm driving you back to Oklahoma City. But after this, I don't want anything to do with you. And so mm-hmm. mind you, <laughs> this is like the fifth time somebody has said something like that to me, somebody that I deeply care about, someone that I look up to. And so I'm like, OK, this is it. At that point, I'm like, all right, God, I love you, but I'm done with this. I'm seriously done with this. So after we get back to Oklahoma City, I'm like couch hopping from people to people. And like I told, um, like we were talking about earlier, the rest is kind of hazy because I really feel like I actually clocked out at that point. And that's where the intensive drinking started. This is where the blackout drinking started. It wasn't for fun and games anymore. It wasn't I'm drinking because we're going to the club or I'm drinking to socialize. No, I'm actually drinking because... I need to get away from whatever I'm feeling. I need to get away from this situation. I need to get away from how I feel because I'm already feeling inadequate. Like everybody that I love has left me. You know, I am drinking because I need a comfort. You know what I'm saying? So I would drink so much to the point where I would black out. I, I wouldn't know how I got home. I wouldn't know where I was half the time. Like, it was bad. It was really bad. I, I, <clears throat> I told you I'm, I'm I'm trying to like, man. Yeah. I just, I'm 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 blown away for a couple of reasons. I'm trying not to jump ahead, but like like I told you earlier, like God preserves your life. Do you hear me? Like, oh my. God. Okay, so let me stay on point. So how long, so basically you went through your boyfriend cheating on you, you get kicked out of his house, your best friend basically kind of like letting you stay with her, you had kind of started getting on your feet and she Mm -hmm. kicked you out, Mm -hmm. moved in with a a lady that you had met that was a seasoned woman of God and then all this stuff started happening, basically moved to a whole nother city for a period of time and was staying in the back of her car. Mm-hmm. And then you end up coming like that series of events right there, Kendra, that just is a lot. I mean, that was anybody question, especially because I've been through a similar situation, kind of told you a little bit of just like kind of relying on an older season person of God that happened to me like back in probably like 2000. And 12, 13, maybe. 
Thomas from 2012, because it was the time when me and my husband, who was I was dating at the time, were distant. Mm-hmm. And I just relied on her. Like, everything she said was from God. Like, yes. I don't care if it was literally, girl, you have on a purple shirt, and I know the shirt I got on is blue. <laughs> this is like, baby, well, maybe this is the state of... Maybe this is the shade of ivory. I mean, or maybe yes, <laughs> like literally, so like because I wanted I, at that point, you know, I was young. I was only like 22, 23. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know God deeper, so yes. I just enthralled myself with that. But it became unhealthy. Yes, yes. Where it was like I never saw the voice of the Father. I only saw the voice of this person. Mm-hmm. And, it led me down so many like emotional things because I just revolved everything around what she said. And I'm not knocking anybody having like a spiritual mom or anything like that, but definitely use the voice of wisdom and have your relationship with God to where you can know what is and what isn't aligning with the word, but also too, like you have your own discernment. And I don't think that I knew that even for me at the time, that that was like, I almost put her in God's place. And there were so many things that transpired from that relationship. Just, I mean, just, oh, that's a whole nother episode I had to talk to y'all. Maybe we can do a whole part two of that. But anyway, so I just, I can understand because that was even a grievance process for me. I didn't yeah. even realize how long that was after I had kind of got out of it and broke ties with her, how long it was for me to get past that so to think yeah. of like all these events that transpired for you like you went basically into just this dark place and so how long was the period for you honestly Rosalind it was up until that point not even to interrupt you sis but like even then you were like hopping from couch to couch you didn't even have a place to live no, ma'am. Like that's what <laughs> I didn't have a place to live. So I'm I'm carrying all this grief with me and then I have to try to figure out what I'm doing financially. You know, thankfully and like you said, God preserves our soul. God opened up the hearts of those who people who barely even knew me who would let me okay crash on their couch for a few months without paying them anything just because the character of what I was before you know what I mean beyond the the drinking they remember oh this girl really does love God like you know it's like God left his mark on me for these people to allow me in their homes with their children so I'm so thankful for that but as far as the depression um and just being in the place of grieving, I didn't even know that's what I was doing until I recently talked to my therapist a few months ago. And she was, she told me like, do you realize that you were grieving? And she actually put language to what I was feeling. Cause I didn't know what it was. I thought I was just drinking, but that period of time was from 2015 to December, 2019. So what is that? Four years. I didn't Girl, that's I'm just I'm I'm in shock. This like wow. Yeah. And it's well, really like so four years you kind of went through just a place of drinking to get drunk, blacking out, not knowing how you got home. Tell me about the story where you were telling me like and you can kind of go into it. Go ahead, sis. Okay, so um, I think where you were talking about where I was like, okay, this is actually becoming a problem. Um, one of the one of the last times I actually got drunk, because um, unfortunately, and I'm not trying to promote this in any kind of way, but I was a drinker and a driver. If I got drunk, I, I needed to drive somewhere for whatever reason. And so um, I remember one of the last times um, I had got drunk, I had went to, um, I guess it doesn't matter the location because I don't know if you guys are familiar with Oklahoma, but I was in the boonies. I went to the boonies in the country to party with my cousin. And where she stayed was at least 45 minutes away from the city where I live. So I went out there. We got um, trashed, I guess you can say. Like, that's the only word I can say. And for whatever reason, I did not want to stay at her house. So I got in the car and I just remember being so drunk like I I actually remember 
being scared myself. Like that's the first time I was actually scared. And I was praying to God. I was like, God, just keep me awake until I get home. Like just keep me awake until I get home. And I remember being at stoplights and I would fall asleep and, and I would just wake up when the light turned green. And I just remember it being such a struggle to get home. Like it was the hardest thing I ever had to do. And so I remember getting into, I drove into my driveway and I opened the door to my house and I just flew, passed out on the floor. I just passed out on the floor because I was so exhausted for fighting, like fighting my body from shutting down to get all the way to my house. And I remember the very next morning, I had like a divine visitation from Holy Spirit. It had to be. So I finally woke up from the floor. I got in the bed and I had before then, not to go too far, but before then I had made a vow to God. I was like, God, if you're real, if you're true, I need you with the little bit of faith that I have. I need you to make a way for me. I need you to do something because I'm tired of this life. I'm scared that I'm going to kill myself or I'm going to kill somebody because every time I get drunk, I have to get in this car. And I had already had two wrecks that year within the same month, not the same month, but the um, two months within each other. So I was like, I need you to do something because this is getting dangerous for me. So that morning, and I will never forget it. It was January 21st, 2018. Um, I was watching a sermon from Elevation Church. And I just remember the spirit of God coming over me through the TV screen. He was talking about something and it came over me. And he, um, the song came to my mind. I didn't know it was a scripture at the time, but there's a song and it's Psalms 121. And I just remember it saying, um, I lift up my eyes to the hills, which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. And at the end, it says something about um, that the Lord shall preserve your soul. And it's like, I just remember, and I'm trying not to get emotional, but I just remember like breaking down because before I had gotten the house, I remember Holy Spirit like saying, I'm preserving you, like I'm preserving your soul. And then for him to give me that scripture and the date and the scripture were exactly the same, 121. It was January the 21st. And I just broke down and cried. And I was like, God, how could you preserve my soul when I've been so foolish? Like I've done all these things against you. You know, like I basically turned my back against you. Um, that's basically what happened when, you know, I was going through all the betrayals and everything. And I just remember saying, because I love you, when I look at you, I see the blood of Jesus. I don't see what you do. And it just, that just changed my life. Even though, even in that moment, it took me two additional years to be clean, to be sober. But from that moment, my mind changed, you know, and there's nothing more stronger than a changed mind. I knew God was for me. I knew I didn't have to be ashamed. I knew I didn't have to be guilty about what I was doing because God saw me as a mighty warrior, not as a drunk party girl. So yes, that was, that was the, that was the thing that changed my, that changed my heart and changed my mind to like, no matter how many times I fall, I am going to continue to seek you, God. I'm going to continue to do what you tell me to do. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like as far as people that, that have um, addictions. We're always looking for the perfection. We're always looking for the sobriety. We're always looking, how many days have I been sober? And like I said, in that time, when he gave me that divine visitation, um, there was more to it that happened. But just the point I'm trying to get at is I was still struggling with my addiction, but it's just, I had a changed mind. My perspective of it was different. I was like, my body may be addicted to this at this time, but I know God is going to set me free. He told me that I was free. He told me I was a mighty warrior. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I think we get, and I think the society of, um, of the addiction today is so driven onto what you are doing. And it's not about what you do, but it's about what your mind is focused on. So yeah, that was the last time I, w- I drank and dro- drove for sure. But that was definitely experience that changed my life. Yeah. And I think what many things come to mind as you were saying that, but I think what really comes to mind is like when you said God told you, even though the previous night you were literally like blackout drunk, 
mm-hmm. at home and you said that he said I don't even see that mm-hmm. I think you said even said to me once you was like I don't see you as a drunk I see you as I see the blood of Jesus when I look at you like yeah and I had how like knowing that and even describing just the trick of the enemy because I definitely want you to talk about that but just like hearing that knowing even then two years later you still were struggling with that like how mentally like describe that battle mentally but also where your heart was oh man that battle oh my gosh Rosalind that (laughs) a fight for my life for sure but it's like my heart it it was a process because even though he had told me that you still fight with condemnation you still fight with guilt and shame and you fight with your logical mind because your logical mind says well I did this I have to have some type of punishment for it you know and not to say that there's not consequences because honey I did have consequences for wrecking my car two times but (laughs) (laughs) I didn't it, it wasn't a punishment you know what I mean like God did not banish me from his presence there would be times every single day those words really I feel like rose me up from my grave because I would be hung over on the bed and God would tell me, look, this is a new day that I've given you. I've given you breath in your body to try again. My nurse, my mercy is renewed every single day. Just try again, you know, and I would be so boggled in my mind. But but look at this. But look what I did. But look, but look, he's like, I don't care. Today is a new day. You have breath in your body. I'm giving you another chance. You know, and when I look at you, that's the only thing that he kept saying to my head is like, when I look, even when I was girl, toe up from the floor, just threw up everything from being hung over. He would have me look in the mirror and say, you are the righteousness of God. You are still my daughter. I still love you. And to be honest with you, he loved me just as much that day than he does today. Me being sober, me being clean. He doesn't love me any different than he did then when I was drunk driving or when I was in deep depression and that's the wonderful thing about it but the thing that the enemy tries to do he tries to throw it up in your face what you've done because he's more of um he makes you look through the eyes of what you're doing instead of who you are in God because he knows if you actually grab grab on to what God says that you are that you are unstoppable there's nothing that you can that you can do that will change God's perspective of you he knows that so he has to play mind games with you. Be like, well, you know, the Bible says that you that you're condemned to hell because you're a drunkard or, you know, guess it says that. But what is your heart condition? What does God say about you? Continue to speak God's word and what he says about you and it will break. He has the realest thing. I mean, the whole Bible is real. But the realest thing that the Bible says is that if you speak the word of God, he will. What is that scripture that the enemy will flee? Yeah. So at, yeah. Resist the enemy, he will flee. Resist the enemy, he will flee. That is so true. Because I had to keep it, and it wasn't easy, guys. Like, you you all, it was not easy. There would be days I would be crying tears because I felt such that, that imposter syndrome. Like, I'm an imposter. What do you mean I'm a mighty warrior? What do you mean I'm the righteousness of God? Do you see this? But I had to keep speaking it to myself until eventually it came in my heart it was in my heart and once it was in my heart not to say that I didn't still drink because I did but it would just roll off my shoulder I would be like oh okay yeah I messed up but I'm getting stronger I'm getting better so I hope I answered your question I don't know if I did I'm over here crying because I'm just so like like you said a couple things that just literally hit me when you were saying today is another day I've given you breath in your body. I'm just thinking to myself, Chandra, I don't think you realize, and I know you told me you don't realize, but like, sis, you literally overcame with God. Like, you, yeah. like Chandra, I, I think you, we talked a little bit about some of the things you did uh, which we can go into, like, what steps did you overcome with God and things of that nature. But, like, thinking about this, y'all, sis was, like, had went through, you know, growing up watching her father drink, going through, you know, college drinking, 
having had lived with her boyfriend, find out he cheated on her best, cheated on her with her best friend, moved in with another friend, got kicked out, moved in, excuse me, moved in with another lady, and she basically kicked her out, was homeless for a period of time, coming home drunk, and God look at you like you said, I think you told me that story once before about you standing in the mirror looking at yourself, but God saying you are the righteous of God, righteousness of God. Mm-hmm. I just think you're breaking the barrier of the shame mindset of what we feel and think about God because it's such a, and especially in this day and time, it's such a shame culture mm-hmm. where we feel like because of what we've done, we can't come to the Father. Yes. And because of how we feel about it and the games the enemy plays on your mind, you also said another thing that was so powerful to me. Because you said the enemy knows if we could grasp hold of how God feels about us, how powerful we will be. Mm -hmm. I just think that that's such a powerful statement because I think about in my own self, the times where I felt so bad about myself and God would literally say, you're my child, Mm -hmm. you're my child, you're my child. And I'm like, but do you not see what I do? Do you not see how I judge people? Do you not see all these things and we put a weight on our on uh, we almost put want to put God's love on a scale of our sin yeah and that is higher than his love mm-hmm. and we really put it in a place where it's shame but like sis you are literally like you are a miracle walking because mm-hmm. you went through so many challenges but you did it with the father and and for him to like and even for him to speak to your identity because I think we think sometimes that and and I think for myself my natural reaction was to always like run from God when I did something wrong Mm -hmm. but then for God to speak to you in the way he spoke to you was always to your identity in him Mm -hmm. spoke to it's not even about what you do it's about who you are to me yes yes and I believe I had spoken about that earlier about um, I was reading earlier this week about the story of Gideon and I couldn't even read it any further because it was just like the um, and I'm pretty sure you guys know, but just to set the story up, Gideon um, was hiding from the Midianites because they destroyed everything they had. They always, every time they tried to do something, it was destroyed. They would um, terrorize them for seven years. They were being terrorized. So um, Gideon was underground milding, um, milding um, wheat. And the angel had appeared to him and said, Almighty warrior. And Gideon was like, who are you talking to? That's not me. I'm the weakest. I got a weak family and I'm the weakest of them all. Like, what do you mean, mighty warrior? And Holy Spirit told me to stop and said, that's exactly my story. Like how I felt when he came to me that day. I'm like, what do you mean? What are you talking about that I'm going to be the one to break generational curses? What are you talking about? I am drunk right now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it's like, oh, God, oh, does- I need you to know that I'm lit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> about bro like yeah girl I, I told I totally understand yeah and I'm like what are you talking about I am drunk right now and he was just like no you are a mighty warrior and he yeah. and I just love the fact that he speaks to who you are in the spirit and not what you do that really set me free like that was the key that got me out of the addiction to alcoholism that got me out of the depression. You are not what happens to you in your life, but you are everything that God says about you. I don't think you realize how much I just truly don't have edges right now. (laughs) (laughs) Like I know I say it all the time when I get excited how I don't have edges with children. I think you top the list of the the times where I literally don't have edges. So I want you to tell me how you got to the sobriety place. Because this has been recent. And but walk us through the process of practically how you overcame with God. Okay, so practically how I overcame I I I just it's coming to me now. 
And this may work different for you, but this is just how it worked for me. It was three stages. It was me asking for help from, from the Father, from God. And once he said, okay, I will help you, me continuously saying, okay, no matter how many times I fall, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to um, read my word. I'm going to pray. No matter how many times I mess up, I know that you have set this foundation that I can still come to you. So I'm still going to come to you. But the thing that really broke, honestly, was when I was honest with um, some friends of mine. Um, I was honest with them and they were doing a challenge at the time. I don't know if you remember this, Rosalind, but they were doing a um, a by Felicia challenge. Mm. And mm. I was, even though I had come to grips with, I had this issue, I had this problem, I hadn't. And I and I had even went to the um, podcasting retreat to talk about, you know, addiction. That's what my podcast was going to be about. I had not publicly denounced or told anybody that I was going through that issue. So when we were doing when we were on the call and we were going through it, I believe the release of me saying that I have this problem and having a group of ladies that were around me saying, not being ashamed, not, not shaming me for my actions, but actually praying me through it. That's when something broke. That's when I was like, okay, like publicly saying, this is something that I am struggling with and having a strong core of people around me to pray me out of it. I, I believe this is one thing that we always wish that we could do, but it's not possible. You cannot live this life by yourself. You cannot go through addiction by yourself. You have to have people that are holding you accountable. You have to have people that are reminding you who you are in God. You have to have people there praying for you. It's so important. And that's the thing about the whole society when it comes to um when it comes to our society and it comes to addiction and recovery, they have the right idea by having support groups, but they have the wrong idea by, by having you claim that that's not who you are. That's not your name. You are not an addict. You know what I mean? Like I really hate the fact that they have you say, hello, my name is such and such and I'm an addict. No, you're not. So you have to, you have to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You have to dismember yourself from that, from that identity, but you also have to have people to hold you up and to pray for you. I think that was the key for me. I had the idea that God is always here for me and I can go to him. But when I got community, when I had people there that wasn't judging me for what I was doing, but consistently prayed with me, that's when it broke. That was like the last piece to the puzzle because God does not, he's a relational God. He doesn't want us to go through things by ourselves. Yes, he's enough for us to, to be forgiven, but you have to go through life with a partnership with someone, if that makes sense. Girl, yes. And I think, so the community she's talking about is like all our sisters, basically y'all, because we all sisters. But, but, but I think you are right when it comes to accountability that's basically but i think the layer of accountability you're also talking about is you had accountability that literally did not judge you yes it's almost like girl because we all between all of us like all i don't know how many of us between all of us baby (laughs) baby between all of us all the sins that we all carry together we would literally if it was to the world's standards we wouldn't know God. Right. I think the way that it was approached of just like, no man, we're not going to let you stay in this place. We're not going right. to let you stay in this broken place. Even if it means we got to fast our way through it or mm-hmm. whatever we got to do so you can overcome this. That was the attitude. Like, period. Yeah. And I think that's the part that can be hard for some people because they don't have that. Yeah, and so it for for God to bring that to you just also even further brings another layer of His love for you, Amen. because I think it can be so easy to just feel like I don't have anyone, especially when you're going through addiction. Yes, um, 
to feel like I don't have anyone or everybody has wrote me off because this is the thing I've done. But God literally brought, I mean, he even brought me a circle of people that see my words, see who I am. They don't see what I do and can literally say, like, I'm here for you. Yes, yes. And that's the thing, too, because I didn't have that before. I did feel like even though I knew God was there with me, I knew that I needed some sort of accountability. And when I say accountability, I don't mean like, did you drink today? Oh, oh, no. I mean accountability for like keeping me on line with who I am in Christ, reminding me who I am, even when I mess up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I didn't have that at first. And that is something that I pray for. And you're absolutely right. I am so grateful to have that type of um, circle around me. And that's why, like, I'm so excited about my community group. I'm so thankful. Like, even though that was a hard journey that I went through, I just want to be available to those to know that you do not have to do this by yourself. You do not have to fight addiction for yourself. I've been there. I def- I, I cannot judge in me by D y'all like the grace of God also covers my record when it comes to my driving because sis I should not have a car right now should not have a license because it was just that bad so I can't judge anybody so it's like I can see how God can turn what the enemy meant for evil and turn it to good because it's like There are people out here that care about you. There are people out here who want to see you do better in life. Like you do not have to do life by yourself. And we don't have to hide. We don't have to hide. We don't have to hide. I think that's why like I'm so open with saying now like, hey, yeah, I was addicted to pornography from high school till I was like early 20s Mm -hmm. in college. And, and if you looked at me, you would literally never think that at all. And that's the thing. That's how the enemy gets us. He wants you to be hidden in shame and your guilt so he can lock so he can lock you up and beat you up. But as soon as you speak out about it, what does he have on you? He don't have nothing on you if you had already told everybody what you're doing. That's why to this day, you overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. Because if you testify about it, he can't hold it against you. What do you gonna, What do you got against me now? Nothing. All facts. All facts. So if you are someone, and, and your, your community is not as open to anyone that's addicted to anything, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah, it doesn't matter. If you just, if anything in your life is holding you back from just being your best self or from holding you back from serving God wholeheartedly, this group would definitely be for you. So listen, y'all, if you are someone that needs accountability or if you just want to join and be a part and you ain't even don't feel fully comfortable in saying what you're addicted to yet, just join. There is so much power in community. This community is free. Chandra is offering this in her time and it's the, a journey to a, to a thousand miles. I'm going to link the actual link to the group in the description so you can join. That is through the band app, which I'll also link the downloadable links to download the um, app, but it's a group app. It's almost similar to GroupMe, but it's better. Wait, yeah. <laughs> and so... She shares a bunch of stuff in the community and they're also there. Y'all are doing the battlefield of the mind challenge, right? Right now, yeah. right? Well, it starts June 1st on June 1st. We're starting the battlefield of the mind challenge. And basically what that is, is just to challenge, to make you aware of your thoughts and try to, um, to see the difference between what are your thoughts, what are God's thoughts and what are the enemy's thoughts? Cause it's so important. Everything starts in your mind. So yeah, that starts on June 1st. And you can join at any time. Hop yeah. in, even if it's halfway through the month. Join yes. it in the So, anything else you want to share, sis? This is so good. <laughs> um, I just want to say if there is anybody out there that is suffering from any type of addiction or any type of depression, to know that God is with you through your process. And it definitely takes a process. Don't think that this is something that happens overnight. God himself did not even build earth in one day. So just know 
that this is going to be a process. God is with you through your process. And there's always beauty and love on the other side of it. Amen. Um, I'm going to go lay prostrate on the floor and cry. I told Kendra, I say I want to go lay on the floor and worship for you and your life. Like, yeah, it's like a whole worship session. Okay. But anyway, I love y'all. Please, 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 please go listen to Chandra's podcast. It is amazing. She talks about her entire experience on her podcast, doing her community. And if you have any questions, hit her up. I'll please leave all of her information, including her Instagram podcast and community below. And thanks, sis. Thank you, Rosalyn, for having me. Your show is so lit. I'm happy I got to be a part of it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> all right, girl. I love you. And I'll talk to y'all next week. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.